Welcome to the weekly Comic Web Old Time Radio Program podcast. We sell old time radio programs, Golden Age comics in PDF format, and we have other free podcasts. Visit comicweb.com for more information or find us on Facebook and iTunes. This week our podcast features three episodes of Strange Doctor Weird. Each episode is only about ten minutes long. They first aired in 1944. The Strange Doctor Weird. Good evening. Come in, won't you? Well, what's the matter? You seem a bit nervous. Perhaps the cemetery outside this house has upset you. But there are things far worse than cemeteries. For instance, the feeling of being cut off from the world by an insanely jealous man. As in the story I want to tell you tonight. A story I call Beauty and the Beast. My story begins in New England on a lonely, desolate cliff overlooking the Atlantic Ocean. Near the edge of the cliff, which towers 200 feet above the rocks below, a young man stands, a mere shadow in the darkness of the night. Time and time again, he impatiently turns to look at the huge, foreboding old manor house, which is perched near the cliff's edge. Suddenly, out of the darkness, a beautiful girl appears and runs to his outstretched arms. Oh, Kathy, darling, why are you so late? I couldn't slip out of the house any sooner, Alan. Jason was watching my every move. Oh, Kathy, he's twice your age. I know. The ugliest man I've ever known. Whatever made you marry him? I don't know. After my father died, I was all alone. Jason kept after me to marry him. Something in his eyes forced me to say yes. I was afraid to refuse. Well, you're not going on living with him. I'm going to take you away. Oh, Alan, you don't know what you're saying. I can't leave. Why not? If I were to run away, Jason would follow you and kill you. He'd kill you the way he killed... The way he killed... Whom? Uh, You remember George Davis, don't you? Why, of course. He was Jason's secretary. Well, one evening, two weeks ago, Jason found me talking to George in the library. A thing he'd forbidden me to do. And the next morning, Jason told me he discharged George. And that he'd already left... But then I discovered that all of George's clothes were still in his room. His clothes were in his room? Yes. Surely if he'd been discharged, he'd have taken them with him. Then you think that I'm Jason... sure of it. He must have killed George that very night. He'll kill anyone he thinks is trying to take me away from him. Oh, darling, I couldn't stand to have anything happen to you. Now, darling, nothing's going to happen to me. Nor to you. I'm taking you away from here. What time can you meet me here tomorrow night? I think I can manage to slip away around 9 o'clock. All right, darling, 9 o'clock it is. Now, you better return to the house before Jason misses you. Catherine! Jason! Where were you, Catherine? Oh, I was just out getting some fresh air. You're lying. You slipped out to meet someone. No, Jason, really. I... Oh, Jason! My arm! You're hurting me! Who was it? Alan? Was it Alan? Tell me, or I'll... Beg pardon, sir, but Sheriff Rogers is here to see you. Very well, Charles. Show him in. I'll do all the talking, Captain. Good evening, Mr. Winthrop. Miss Winthrop. Sorry to intrude, but I must. What can I do for you, Sheriff? I understand you have a secretary, George Davis. I did have. I discharged him two weeks ago. 
Why are you so interested, Sheriff? Because his body was washed ashore this afternoon, Ooh. 20 miles down the coast. Well? There were deep gashes on the body as though it had fallen from a great height onto the rocks and the sea. It may be suicide, and it may be murder. You say it may be murder? Yeah. Surely you don't suspect I had anything to do with it, do you? I don't know. There have been some mighty strange things happening around here. Four months ago, Sam Arnold, your chauffeur, was murdered, and now... Sam Arnold? Murdered? You seem surprised, Miss Winthrop. Don't you know he was murdered? I'm afraid she doesn't, Sheriff. She's been ill for quite some time, so I kept the news from her. Oh, then she doesn't know that Arnold was stabbed to death less than a hundred yards from this house. Oh, no, no. I thought he'd been discharged. Who... Who did it? Well, we haven't found Sam's murder yet, Miss Winthrop. Now we have another mystery on our hands, the death of George Davis. Mr. Winthrop, I want you and your wife to be at the coroner's inquest in the village day after tomorrow. Quite a few questions we want to ask you about the deaths of both Sam Arnold and George Davis. There's a lot more going on around here than meets the eye. Dr. Weird's story will continue in a little while. And now I'd Young like... man, before you go on, remember where you are. You know what happens on this program to people who aren't careful what they say. Oh, uh, I'll be careful. I'm always careful. Careful with my facts whenever I talk about Adam Hats. You see, Adam Hats are so downright good-looking, I have to be careful about my enthusiasm. And the makers of Adam Hats are careful, too. Careful to see that every Adam is well-made. Look at any Adam, and you can see for yourself the quality workmanship that goes into the designing of Adam's smart styling, perfect fit, and correct details. Care, too, is taken in the choice of material and color. That's why only genuine all-fur felt in the newest shades is used in Adam hats. So if you're a careful dresser and a careful spender, choose an Adam. Still priced at $3.45 to $10. Still America's outstanding hat value. Now, back to Dr. Weir. And now I'll finish my story... Beauty and the Beast. Twenty-four hours have passed, each one of which has been an eternity to Kathy. Try as she would, she couldn't forget the deaths of Sam Arnold and George Davis. One thing seemed perfectly clear to her. Jason had murdered the two men in a jealous rage. He would stop at nothing in his madness. Her mind in a turmoil, Kathy waited tensely for nine o'clock and her meeting with Alan. Catherine, why do you keep looking at the clock every other minute? I, uh, I'm not aware that I am. Is it because you have some secret rendezvous with someone? No, 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 I haven't. You're lying. Whom are you going to meet? Tell me. Oh, Jason, my arm. Tell me. No one, no one. You're lying. I ought to kill you. Yes, kill me. Get rid of me so I can't testify tomorrow at the coroner's inquest. What are you talking about? You want to kill me because you're afraid of what I might tell them. You, I know you killed Sam Arnold and George Davis. Is that what you intend to tell them tomorrow? Yes, you're nothing but a murderer! Jason! Jason! Don't look at me that way, Jason. I'm not going to let you kill me! Stay away from me, Jason. I won't let you kill me! Put down that poker, Catherine. Put it down, I say. No, if you come any closer, Jason, I'll use it! Jason, go to I'll use it! I warned you, Jason. I warned you! Kathy, you mustn't cry. You struck Jason in self-defense. Oh, what are we going to do? We're going through with the plans I've made. 
I have two tickets of a plane for Mexico, and we're going tonight. Catherine! Jason! Oh, there you are. You're, you're not dead. I didn't kill you. No, the blow you struck me only... Helen, what are you doing here? I've come to take Kathy away, Jason. Helen, you don't know what you're saying. I'm warning you, Jason. Don't try to stop me. You don't understand, Helen. She's a murderess. She killed two men. What are you saying? I never killed anyone. Helen, I'm telling you the truth. She killed Sam Arland and George A. Davis. You're lying. You're lying. I didn't. How could she possibly kill two men and not know it? Because she's insane. Insane? A homicidal maniac. There are times when she loses control of her mind. And when she does, she kills. And then she comes to and has no memory of it, I suppose. Yes, yes, that's it exactly. Just a minute before she pushed George Davis off this very cliff we're standing on, I heard her talking to him. Her voice was low, excited, the voice of a homicidal maniac. Before I could reach them, she'd pushed him off this cliff. And then she fainted. And when she regained consciousness, she had no memory of what had happened. No, no, it isn't true, Alan. He's trying to blame me for murders he's committed. Yes, I know, I know, dear. Your story's very clever, Jason. It account rather nicely for the deaths of those two men, wouldn't it? I'm telling you the truth, do you hear? And I'm going to tell it to the coroner's jury tomorrow. I protected her as long as I can. You're not going to tell the coroner's jury anything tomorrow. Ellen, she's insane. No. She has to be exposed for both our sakes. Why, Ellen, let go of me. Oh, you I, don't I, deserve I, to live I, trying to make Kathy pay for your crimes. No, no, no Ellen. No. Don't. You, you must listen to me. <laughs> Ellen, don't. <laughs> there was no other way out, Kathy. It was insane. Utterly insane, trying to make it appear that you murdered Sam Arnold and George Davis when he did it himself. What? Alan, what is it? What's wrong? I just remembered something. When Sam Arnold was murdered four months ago, Jason and I were on a hunting trip in Canada. Why, we heard the news together over Jason's portable radio. You mean Jason didn't kill Sam Arnold? I know he couldn't have. But, but if Jason didn't murder him, who... Kathy. Alan... Why are you looking at me like that? You don't think that I did it, do you? Kathy, if Jason didn't do it, then what he said about you might have been true. You believe that it is true, don't you? I can see it in your eyes. You do believe I murdered Sam Arnold and George Davis, don't you? Kathy, the voice, it's, it's different. You do believe I murdered them. Don't you? Your voice is just the way Jason said it was before you pushed George Davis off the cliff. It's true. You did kill him, didn't you? Yes. Yes, I did. At times like this, I can remember. I killed Sam Arnold with a knife. And I pushed George Davis over the cliff. Would you like to know how I did it, Alan? Kathy, your voice, your eyes. Kathy, what are you up to? I pushed him off the cliff like this, Alan, like this, Kathy, Alan. Kathy, look out! Alan, I'm slipping out! Oh, she's gone. She was trying to kill me. And she fell over herself. She was the murderer. And nobody dreamed of suspecting her. Because she was so beautiful. Alan was right. Nobody dreamed of suspecting Kathy because she was so beautiful. But her husband, who was ugly, well, he was suspected right away. You see how handy a pretty face can be? Uh, sometimes. But there's an old saying, beauty is only skin deep. So be careful about walking on clifftops with lovely young women. One of them might be another Kathy. Oh, you have to go now. Well, perhaps you'll drop in on me again soon. Just look for the house on the other side of the cemetery. The house of Dr. Weird. 
A Strange Dr. Weird. Good evening. Come in, won't you? Why, what's the matter? You seem a bit nervous. Perhaps it would help calm you if I told you a story that I just heard. A strange story about a raven as black as sin that could talk like a man. I call my story The Dark Wings of Death. And now for my story, The Dark Wings of Death. It begins in the small east side apartment of Ned and Helen Kennedy, who are having a uh, slight discussion. Ned, I tell you, if your Uncle Simon won't lend you the money, you'll have to kill him and take it, do you hear? But look, Helen, if we just wait a little longer, he's so old and feeble, he may die any day now. We can't wait. That shortage in your accounts will be discovered by next week. We've talked this all over before. Why are you hesitating now? Are you afraid? No, no, it's not that. It's that pet raven of Uncle's. It makes me so uneasy. His raven. So that's it. You're afraid of a bird. Now, wait a minute, Helen. That raven isn't an ordinary bird. The way it watches me with those red eyes and the way it screeches whenever I'm in the room. Well, it almost acts as if it knew I was thinking of killing Uncle Simon. All right, Ned, go to prison then. No. I'll do it if I have to. I'm going to try to borrow the money from him first. You can try, but you won't get it. And you'd better get over to that horrible old tenement he lives in with his supper. After he's eaten it and fallen asleep, remember just how he planned everything. Turn on the gas heater, unlight it, so it'll look as if it had been blown out and he died in his sleep. A few minutes later, Ned Kennedy was entering a small, bitterly cold room on the top floor of an ancient tenement building that stood on the very banks of the East River, its windows looking directly down on the cold, gray water. In a bed against the wall, a white-haired old man lay, his face lighting up with malicious amusement as Ned entered. On the head of the bed perched a huge black raven, and as it saw Ned, it flapped its wings angrily. Quiet, Lucifer! Come on in, Ned. You needn't be afraid of Lucifer. I brought you some soup and sandwiches for your supper, Uncle Simon. I'll put them on the table here. Not poisoned, are they, Ned? Not poisoned by that pretty little devil you married? Uncle, for heaven's sake, don't be absurd. Here, eat your supper before the soup gets cold. All right, Ned. Now then, what's on your mind? You want something, I can tell. Out with it, Ned. All right, Uncle Simon. I'm $4,000 short in my accounts at the gas company. Huh? I've got to replace the money this week or I'll be caught. And you want me to lend it to you, is that it? Please, Uncle. You've got to. You wouldn't let your only living relative go to jail, would you? Aye, of course I would. If you've stolen, you should pay the penalty. Why, you miserable old skin flint. No, let go. You'll kick me. Lose him. Lose him. No, get away from me. Get away from me. He's trying to get in my eyes. That'll teach you to try tricks on me. Get him away from me. He's trying to peck my eyes out. There's him. That's your perch. Look at my hand. It's bleeding. Serves you right. Next time I won't stop him. Lucifer will peck your eyes right out of your head. And your soul right out of your body, Ned. Yes. 
carry them away to be Elsie Bob, his master, too. Oh, for heaven's sake, stop that. Lucifer isn't any ordinary bird. He's a winged demon, straight from inferno. Yes, and as sure as ever you harm me, Lucifer will snatch you up and fly off to the pit with you. I said stop it. Yeah, ask Mrs. O'Rock, the superintendent's wife downstairs. Many's the night she's seen Lucifer flying away from the window in the darkness, his eyes gleaming with red fire and his claws glowing with phosphorus, off to pay a visit to the devil, his master. Oh, that's just nonsense. Now, if you're finished, I'll take the dishes away. You... You sure you won't lend me the money then, Uncle Simon? No. I won't. Ten thousand dollars hidden in the wall here beside my bed is your note. You shan't have that until I die. I tell you, there's no other way. If your uncle won't lend you the money, you have to kill him and take it, do you hear? Good night, Ned. I'm going to sleep now. After they put you in jail, Lucifer and I will come and visit you. Now and then, <laughs> old skin flint. He's asleep. When he's asleep, turn on the gas heater, unlight it, so it'll look as if it had been blown out. In an hour, he'll be dead and it'll look like an accident. Yes, I have to do it. I have to do it. <laughs> Before you take a rest, Dr. Weird, uh, would you tell me the time? You're not leaving already, are you? Oh, not yet, Doctor. I just wanted to remind the man of our audience that whatever the hour, they're usually meeting people whose opinions they just naturally value. Calling on business associates, joining a friend at lunch, going to the theater. Those are the times you want to look your best. And nothing counts more in making a good impression than your personal appearance. Naturally, clothes are important. But what's equally important is that every article fit into the picture. That's where Adam hats come in, because the style of an Adam is just right. Made of fine quality, all fur felt, in the smartest shades, Adam hats are the last word in fashion. Carefully designed, down to the smallest detail, and long wearing as well. An Adam is a wise investment in your personal appearance. So, if you want to look your best, Stop your cold picture with a new Adam hat. Now, Dr. Weird. And now to continue my story, The Dark Wings of Death. After leaving the gas heater turned on full and unlighted in his uncle's tiny room, Ned has just reached home. Helen! Helen! Ned, you did it, didn't you? I can tell by your face. Yes, I had to. He absolutely refused to lend me the money. I told you he would. You got it anyway, didn't you? Where is it? Let me see it. Why, I haven't got it yet. You haven't? Why not? Well, I couldn't get it until he was dead, of course. Till the room is filled with gas and he's breathed it for a while. Oh, yes, of course. But I said it'd be easy, and it was, wasn't it? Yes. Except for the raven. It attacked me. Look at my hand. Just a scratch. Don't tell me you're still worried about that bird. Well, suppose it attacks me again when I go back for the money. Forget it. The raven will be dead, too. The gas will kill it. Oh, yes, yes, of course. In any case, I'm going back with you. I'll wait until midnight. Be sure to be dead by then. Oh, and another thing. The room will be full of gas. We'll have to wear masks of some kind. Masks? Why, I hadn't thought of that. Well, I did. As auditor, you have keys to the gas company office. We'll go down now and get two of the masks the workmen use when they're repairing leaks in the mains. In the morning, you can replace them and no one will ever know. Well, 
after midnight when Ned stood once more in the cold, dark hall outside his uncle's door. Helen at his side. I don't hear any sound inside. Of course not. They're both dead. Come on, put on your mask and let's get it over with. All right. Here, now, this strap goes over your head. Uh-huh. Now, breathe through your mouth. You can talk, too. These masks are the latest type. Talk? Yes, I can, can't I? There. Now, we're all set. Have your flashlight on. Mm-hmm. We mustn't turn on any lights. The least spark would explode the gas and blow us sky high. I know. Come on. He's dead. Of course he is. Where's the razor? Oh, what does it matter? Come on. Help me move the bed. You take that in. All right. Take it easy now. It looks as if he were asleep. Oh, forget him. Where did he keep the money? There's a loose board. This... Listen, the raven, it's still alive. It can't be. I don't hear it. There, it's first on that chair. Slapping its wings. Oh, get away from me. Get away. Ned, get hold of yourself. There's nothing there. Nothing, I tell you. There is. It attacked me. Look out. Here he comes again. Trying to get at my eyes. Keep it away. Keep it away. Ned, tense. Kill you. Back just right up against the window. I tell you, there's nothing there. It's just for imagination. It's coming in my eyes again. I'll stop it. I'll stop it. Yes, that gun, where'd you get? I brought it with me in case of an emergency. I'll stop that, Raymond. Oh, don't use that gun, you fool. This room is full of gas. The shot would make it explode and kill us both. Look out, it's coming at me again. Don't! <laughs> Time later, Mrs. O'Rourke, wife of the superintendent, was telling the police her strange story. Just at midnight it was, officer. And I'm standing at the window when up above there's an explosion, fair to wake the dead. And outside my window I see a great flash of light. And what else do you suppose? You've already told us, Mrs. O'Rourke. You saw a man and a woman blown clear out through the window and into the river down there. Blown out nothing. They was flying through the air, holding on to each other. And that raven had his claws in the man's hair and was flying away with them. His eyes blazing fire as he took them off to the devil, his master. Now, Mrs. O'Rourke, you're letting your imagination run away with you. I know what I saw. But you can't have seen that. Because we found the raven dead on the floor beside the old man's bed. The gas had killed the two of them, both together. about Ned and Helen, wasn't it? Their bodies were never recovered from the river. It was almost as if they really had been carried off to some place not on this earth. But since Lucifer the Raven was found dead beside his master's bed, uh, what do you suppose it was that flew with Ned in the darkness? Birds never have ghosts. Or do they? Oh, you have to go... And perhaps you'll drop in again soon. Just look for the house on the other side of the cemetery. The house of Dr. Weir. The Strange Dr. Weir. Good evening. Come in, won't you? Well, what's the matter? You seem a bit nervous. Perhaps the cemetery outside this house has upset you. But there are things 
far worse than cemeteries. For instance, being lost in a wilderness, a wilderness where death is never more than a few inches away, as in the story I want to tell you tonight, a story I call Dead Man's Paradise. My story begins in the wild and desolate swamplands near the mouth of the Mississippi River. In a small Cajun shack, all but hidden by the overhanging cypress trees, Andre Morel speaks to his son, Paul. <coughs> Paul, the sun has been up for an hour already. You must see to our traps. But, Father, you're ill. I don't like leaving you here alone. I'll be all right. <coughs> No, please, tend to the traps. Very well, Father. I'll be back just as soon as I... Take him up, all of you. Uh-huh. Who, who are you? What do you want? You'll find out soon enough, old man. Do Get that rifle of theirs over the fireplace. Okay. <laughs> you must be the two bank robbers the radio was warning everyone about. That's right, bright boy. Now every cop in Louisiana is looking for us. How far are we from New Orleans? Forty miles. Forty miles, huh? Well, you're taking us there in your boat. But we lend our boat to Pierre Duvel. Besides, no boat can get through swamps. Hey, Ace, what are we going to do? We figured on sailing right through to New Orleans with no trouble at all. Yeah, we have to make it on foot, that's all. These Cajuns know every inch of the swamp, so Bright Boy here will guide us. No, no, it's impossible. Well, you must. He will kill you if you do not do as he asks. That's right, kid. Your old man's talking sense. But you don't know the swamps. We must travel by narrow Indian trails through bad stretches of quicksand where a single misstep means death. It can't be that bad. Why, on my road map, this region is listed as Paradise Swamp. Yes, but the old name, the name the Indians gave it, was Dead Man's Paradise. Because no stranger who ever entered it came out alive. There's the quicksand, pools of it, waiting to trap strangers. And there are the insects, the mosquitoes that drive men mad. There are the birds, whose shrieks sound like the screams of dying men. Hey, listen to that. That's a lot of malarkey. Bright boy here's gonna guide us, and that's that. But I can't leave my father here alone. Can't you see he's ill? I don't want to leave him alone any more than you do. He might talk. So I'm going to see to it that none of us have to worry about him anymore. What do you mean? Just this. Father! You've killed him. Yeah. And that's what's going to happen to you if you don't do exactly as I tell you. Now let's get started. I want to be in New Orleans by tomorrow night. For seven hours now, Ace. How far yeah. do you figure we've come? Hey, bright boy. How far we come since this morning? Ten miles. Ten miles? Hey, that ain't bad. Hey, Ace, what's that? That's just a bird, not a ghost. Pull yourself together, Duke. There's nothing to be scared of. Just trees, underbrush, and swamp pools. Yeah, yeah, I know, but every way you turn, everything looks the same. Yeah. If we didn't have that Cajun kid to guide us, hey, look, huh? it's trying to give us a slip. Oh, he is, is he? Well, this will teach him. Ace, you hit him. Yeah, I could hardly miss him at this distance. Come on. Should have kept a closer watch on him. Might have known he'd try something like this. Ah. Well, here he is. His head's all covered with blood. He's dead, all right. Yeah. You never knew what hit him. Yeah, but Ace, what are we going to do now without the kid to guide us? We'll just have to go on the rest of the way by ourselves. But how we find our way every way you turn is nothing but swamp. We can't go on without a guide. Get hold of yourself, you fool. If you lose your head, you're done for. Yeah, but Ace, what chance we... Shut up, will you? Listen to what I have to say. Now, by keeping our eyes on the sun and doing a little figuring, we can keep going in the right direction. As for the quicksand, well, 
We'll just have to watch our step. Just keep saying one thing to yourself. New Orleans is only 30 miles away, and we're going to make it. Uh, Doctor, may I comment upon the verisimilitude demonstrated by the introductory sections of your dramatic effort? Explain yourself, young man. Your story, its design is excellent. Such fine style and expert handling of details. And you know, Doctor, it's those very same qualities that make Adam Hat so outstanding, too. That's because the designs for Adam Hats are created by experts in their field. The smart styles and carefully handled detail you see in every Adam is the product of years of experience. And just as each listener will find a different shade of meaning in a story, so will every man find the shade of color he prefers in the large selection of Adam hats. Gentlemen, there's only one logical conclusion to this story about Adam hats. Buy one for yourself. An Adam hat has character. Now, back to Dr. Weird's story. And now I'll continue my story, Dead Man's Paradise. Five hours have passed. Five hours of nightmare for Ace and Duke. The shadowy cypress trees and underbrush seemed to become thicker every mile they pushed on. And they were constantly forced to detour around swamp pools and lakes, ever mindful of the treacherous quicksands they must avoid. Uh, How far do you think we've heard since we left that Cajun kid? Uh, about four or five miles, I guess. Hey, look, the sun's going down. It'll be dark before long. What do we do now? Uh, we'll stop pretty soon and wait for dawn. In the morning, we'll push on. Neither of you will ever get out of these swamps alive. Did you hear that? Yeah, that sounded like... You have committed murder. And you must pay. Hey, it's, it's the voice of that Cajun kid. Oh, no, it can't be. I knocked him off. It's the voice of his ghost. That's what it is. Oh, don't be a fool. The ones who have died in the swamps say you too must die. Hey, you see, I told you he's come back to get us. Both of you will die in the quicksand. Only 20 feet ahead of you is a pool of quicksand. Hey, you see, you hear that? This quicksand. Ah, don't be a fool, I tell you. You really think this quicksand ahead he'd warn us? Just a trick to get us to walk in another direction where the quicksand really is. Uh, yes, I, I guess you're right. I sure I am. Now keep going straight ahead. Oh, okay. we still got an hour or so until it gets too dark to travel. we got to make the most of it. Yeah, yeah, but just the same way you think... Hey, hey! What's wrong? I stepped into some quicksand. Ace, help me. I'm sick. Duke, try crawling out. I can't. I keep sinking deeper. Ace, Ace, help no, me. No, if I only had a rope or something. Wait till I look around. No, no, it's only me. Look, how can I help Ace, you? Ace, suck me down. It's already up to my chest. Give me a hand and pull me out, will you? I can't do that. You'd pull me in with you. Why, do something. There's nothing I can do without a rope. Not, it must be. Ace, let me die like this. Help me, will you? There's only one thing I can do for you, Duke. And this is it. Ah. Duke. He, he's dead. Yeah. He's paid. For his crime. Now it is your turn. No. No, you may have gotten Duke. But you won't get me. You won't get me. With an effort, Ace pulled himself together, determined not to suffer Duke's fate. Taking a bearing from the twilight rays of the sun, Ace continued on his way 
cautiously scanning the ground before him. Time and time again, the voice of the Cajun boy came echoing through the swamps, mocking Ace's efforts to escape, telling him of the quicksand that lay waiting on every side. There's no escape for you. Just ahead of you lies quicksand. And you are going to die in it. Shut up! Shut up, you hear? is waiting for you. In the quicksand ahead. Maybe this will keep you quiet. <laughs> you should have saved one bullet for yourself. Be quiet. Be quiet, you hear? You're dead. You can't talk. You seem confused now. <laughs> Is the quicksand ahead of you? To the left? To the right? If I were you, I'd turn to the left. Oh, try to outsmart me, aren't you? Well, you can't. I'm going straight ahead. You're making a mistake. There is quicksand just ahead. If it was, you wouldn't be telling me. I know burning the... Uh, I'm caught! It is quicksand! I'm sinking! Yes! Uh, it's quicksand! And in a minute you'll sink beneath the surface. Then your crimes will be paid for. You... You're... You're not dead. You're alive. I didn't kill it. No. That bullet you fired at me only creased my scalp. Knocked me unconscious. I recovered in time to trail you. Get my revenge. Oh, don't stand there. Get me out of here. I'll confess to anything. Only get me out of here. Why should I help you? You killed my father. No! This is the same pool of quicksand that Duke died in. And now you're going to join him. No! No! You've been wandering around in circles for hours. But I knew you'd end up here. No, no. Oh, don't let me die. Don't let me die. The quicksand is up to your neck now. In a minute it will reach your mouth. And then it'll be all over. Save me. I I don't want to die. No, my father didn't want to die either. But you killed him. Help me. You, you must help me. Nobody can help you now. Don't let me go. I'm sorry I didn't have a chance to tell you that this is the only quicksand hole in all the swamp between here and New Orleans. Grace had only known there was just one pool of quicksand. He might have reached New Orleans. But you see, he let his imagination run wild, envisioned death on all sides. No wonder he traveled in circles and ended up dead. I know another case where... Oh, you have to go now? Too bad. But perhaps you'll drop in on me again soon. I'm always home. Just look for the house. On the other side of the cemetery, the house of Dr. Weir. So, if you're like me, then you've never heard of this program, but figured, well, I have to see what it's about with a name like Strange Dr. Weird. So the crack investigative team here at Comic Web International discovered that it's a ripoff of Inner Sanctum and Mysterious Traveler. 
but hey, it's still fun. Dr. Weird is the narrator who delights in telling grisly tales of suspense and just desserts. He lives in a cemetery, and therefore he's not only Dr. Weird, but also a little strange. The show only ran from 1944 to 1945. The part of Dr. Weird was played by Maurice Tarplin, the same actor who played the Mysterious Traveler, and the episodes were written by Robert Arthur, one of the writers of for Mysterious Traveler. The show is compressed into only 15 minutes. As a creative exercise, it's interesting to see how they fit what is usually a full half-hour show into only half as much time. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next week.